Okay, so Colby, could you give us a high-level description of Meta versus Meza? So the Meta-Meza dichotomy is going to be the third dichotomy that uh, we'll talk about. We first talked about the prone-supine dichotomy, then the local-universal dichotomy, and now we're talking about the last dichotomy, the Meta-Meza dichotomy. And these, these three dichotomies fit into physiotype to make uh, the eight physiotypes. So I suppose the simplest explanation that I would give meta is that meta is referential and mesa is more existential. So what I mean by that is um, when you're talking about something, that's a bit meta. But when you are doing something or being something, that's more mesa. Um, so I suppose the fact that language exists, language is kind of a meta construct because it's referential, right? Um, language and words aren't like existentially, um, ontologically real. You know, most people wouldn't say they are, but they, um, they're tools to talk about ontologically real things. And when I say ontologically, um, what I mean by that is just like relating to the absolute existence of something, the real existence of something. So in certain ways, words aren't real, but they are um, descriptors and descriptor is referential. So that's why meta or language is kind of a meta construct. Okay. Okay. Right. Words aren't real, but the things they describe are real. Yeah. And so, yeah. So yeah, meta is referential, mesa is existential. If you are just sitting on a park bench, um, you know, being like mindful or, or meditative, um, you are just enjoying just being right. That's kind of the whole like Buddhist monk thing and the whole like mindfulness thing is if you are just being, that's fairly messa. When you're thinking and you have, you know, like we're always thinking about stuff as humans. We're very meta animals. Um, so that's that's meta when we're thinking about something, um, because we might be in the park on a bench, but we're thinking about work. So we're being meta. But if we're on a bench, just enjoying being in a park on a bench, that's more messa. I suppose one other thing is we talk about properties when we're talking about meta and mesa. So a property of a thing would be a descriptor of a thing. And then that would, the property would be meta. If you're talking about a car being fast, that's more meta. Um, if you're just experiencing the fastness of the car, I guess that's more mesa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good. Or viewing the car as fastness, like the car and the speed of the car are the same thing. So that's Mesa. You're not trying to identify different parts of it. Like the Mesa worldview is that everything just is, but the meta worldview is more a thing can be described as the sum of these properties. Let's jump to the comp sci, to the computer science example here. In computer science, uh, we have something called like object oriented programming or uh, there's class based programming too. But either way, you can kind of divide things into objects and properties. Um, so I'm just going to talk about objects, I guess. So like um, an object is something that you can create in a program. And then that object is a thing. Um, and that thing always has properties. So it might have a property uh, uh, that is a number. And it has a property that's a string. And it has a property that's a formula. And those three things are all properties of the thing. Um, and therefore, the properties are meta, but the object itself is mesa. So in computer science, 
there's properties and there's objects and objects are meta, properties are meta properties are meta because they're descriptors there are aspects of it okay so like talking about cats would be meza talking about cats meow cats have four legs cats have two eyes cats are small cats are big that would be meta more so i think yes more so and talking about the relationships between two cats or the relationship between a cat and something else is more meta too as well right to be referential you have to have relations right because to notice something there must be two different things for for something to be able to do to be defined or described there must be something that is not that thing meta deals with the properties of a thing and meza deals with the thing as a whole yeah i would say that's mostly true so meza does not does not subdivide meta by nature subdivides a topic or what it's looking at i would also say i i guess it's not just all that though because so it subdivides it into properties and it kind of like says so meta says a thing is the sum of its parts mesa th- says a thing is you know um isn't meta also like because i said meta was re- based on relationships a little bit too do you think that's inherently true that like meta is always about the relationships between two things i feel like it's it's true by necessity but um so like for example a, a cat has four legs well what are legs how do we define legs now we got to talk about other things that have legs to say what legs are there are ways to communicate meta without necessarily referencing something that's not the cat you're looking at yeah i almost feel like when you're referencing other stuff you're almost doing more of a universal meta approach like all cats have four legs other cats meow yada yada while like meta on its own without attributing universal or local is not referential would you agree with that does that sound i think i agree true ish yes that is true ish (laughs) good should we move on to how it relates to mbti so it relates to mbti but it doesn't have like a clear dichotomy that it maps to in mbti no but maybe we could just say what types this will be fun for everyone what types are pure meta and pure mesa What types are pure meta, Alex? NTPs and SFJs are pure meta. And then NTJs and SFPs are pure meta. And so everyone else is uh, what we call half-breeds, right? So they have some. Yes, a, and so that, that's a conglomeration. Really, right, and that's based upon the functions. For example, looking at an NTP, NTPs are N-E-S-I-F-E-T-I. Those are the four functions that ntps have mm-hmm. uh any and si are meta functions and we can go into why in a minute and fe and ti are also meta functions so if we look at the opposite case of ntjs and sfps um they use ni se fite and those are all meta functions so 
we have functions that are meta and we have functions that are meza. So in that sense, it's very related to MBTI. The only reason we say it's not is just because it doesn't relate specifically to a dichotomy that's already been defined in MBTI. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Should we talk about why the functions are meta and mesa? Any is universal, like we said before. And like we said, it's meta as well. So it's going to be looking at universal concepts and it's going to be deconstructing them, so to speak. So taking one concept and looking at the properties of said concept. SI would be doing the same thing, deconstructing something, but it's going to be looking at things from a more local perspective. So by nature, someone who's high in any is going to just going to be talking about a universal, an abstract concept, while SI is going to be doing the same thing, but looking at a more concrete uh, local concept. How would you contrast any and ni as regards to meta and mesa? They're both universal, so but the difference is that they're one's meta and one's mesa. So what would you say about any and ni? The idea, I guess, or at least the way I visualize it in my mind is while NE will look at a concept, NI will look at that same concept and NI will see it as a whole while mm-hmm. NE will see it as pieces. And then, you know, the same thing with SI versus SE. SI will look at, a, say, a physical object and SE will look at the same object and SI will treat that object as, like you said before, a sum of its parts while SE is more likely to treat it as just the thing, the entity, the object. Right. Yeah, I, li- I think that's a wonderful description. I like that a lot. So, like, uh, taking the example of, like, a cell phone, um, someone who's heavy in SI is far more likely to understand the components of a cell phone and how the cell phone works uh, than someone who's very high in SE. Okay, SI is going to understand the components better. They're both local, so SI and SE will both be cell phone oriented, but SI is going to understand the components better, and SE might know how to like maybe use it better. They might be faster on the phone or something because they just don't even think about it. It's just it it is a phone, but when an SI looks at it, he's like, oh, there's a wireless interface card, there's a little CPU in it, and he thinks about those things. Um, and the SI or the SE views that phone more as just um. A phone. He doesn't view it necessarily as some of its parts. It's just it is a phone, and it's just like this complex object that is a thing. Right. Right. Exactly. I think we can see this in behavior. I, I like you said, SE is more likely to be faster with the phone, and I think treating a phone as a single entity, as opposed to you know breaking down the different parts of a phone, can be much more efficient when using a phone, especially any situation where you don't need to break down an object it's going to be more efficient to not. I think a good example of any versus ni in this kind of situation is how in the physics community, especially, we see a lot of NTPs and a lot of NTJs. However, we see NTPs more in the math sides. Of, oh, wow. Wow, yeah, you're right. Of the, of, uh, the physics field. So more of the proofing, more of the looking at concepts and breaking down, breaking them down and seeing the rationale behind the concepts. While you see NI doing a lot more of the actual visualizing, actually 
understanding what is happening, not so much what things led to that happening. I'm using really vague terms here, but you do you do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. So let me just repeat what you're saying. So any is going to tend to be more into pure maths. Um, so like pure math is very meta because you're breaking apart the pieces and understanding each each number and type of number and equation and constant separately. While NI might be more into physics because it's kind of like applied math. Well, it is applied math in physics. Um, it combines more properties into a single thing. Pure math is more meta than physics because physics packs a lot more into a thing. And you just say, this just is the you know velocity of this particle. This is the whatever of this particle. And that, that thing that they're referring to, they're referring to maybe like a quality of a particle. But in the pure maths, then that quality of that particle might be described in a much more, in such a way that there are more identifiable parts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think of like the example of Einstein who albert einstein who we know he was heavy ni and the way he described his theories of you know they were very much him just visualizing and trying to understand how something worked by applying what he knew about it and like you know the speed of light what happens when you approach the speed of light they were all of his explanations for these things while they were very scientific it wasn't just him speculating well, some of it was. It's just he was really good at speculating and being right. But a lot of it was him actually visualizing and seeing, okay, what happens if I do this, this, and this, but in his head, you know? And that's that's kind of a mess of way to do things. And then he'd have a team of NTPs that would come in and would have to actually try to write the proofs describing this in mathematical terms. So let's say we have two results. A mess of my... A mess is more likely to achieve that result by envisioning uh, certain forces or whatever in his head and then saying, oh, this makes sense. Um, this just seems intuitive to me. And then maybe they'll go on and write a mathematical proof for it, as opposed to maybe a meta person who will um, reach that conclusion simply by following where their math leads them right yeah yeah and and again these aren't like strict rules about how anyone's gonna think but these are definitely patterns that we've seen in in the thought processes of people Uh, i think this is part of the reason why most novelists that have a lot of characters in them or have a lot of world building in them are going to be heavy ni users because Mm -hmm. of the way that they're able to envision a character as one single entity and not have to worry about the individual properties of that character the entire time they're writing. Uh, I think that's something that any SI just can't do. They can't bundle a bunch of properties into one thing and save it like that in their heads. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, any just any and SI just chunk things out more. They just um, they don't believe things are. They just believe things are a summation of smaller things, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really that that is very much the worldview that I tend towards. Um, we had this poll on Instagram uh, that I sent out. It was everything is the same, 
and none of it connected or b everything is connected yet all of it unique um, the first one is more meta the second one is more messa it's kind of a it's a very uh, high level kind of wishy-washy hand wavy philosophical thing to say so i, I don't think it's going to benefit this episode to describe that question but maybe that will help the viewers kind of understand messa and meta should we move on to um feti and fite um concrete explanation of why those are meta and messa yeah would you would you want to cover that for us so fe is obviously meta because fe is about relationships and it's about people fe is about how people get along um fe people are more likely to host a party um because that's they're putting things together they are arranging things they are going to think about who gets along well with who that's a very meta thing to do um ti will when it's thinking will break things down more into smaller chunks um so if you give te and ti the same concept ti is gonna probably break it down into like 10 chunks and te might break it down into two chunks you know that that's the definition i'll give i don't want to get go too far into it because my ignorance will be surely revealed but that's the general way i think about te and ti uh ti will break it down more te will break it down less mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. fe is gonna be good at hosting and understanding relationships between people fi will be good at understanding itself its own feelings um it's it's moral compass uh a code of honor or a code of conduct um those are kind of like inherent things like this is the this is the way to be moral that's fi whereas fe would be a little bit more postmodernist and a little bit like oh he likes it that way and she likes it this way and fi would be more like we need to do things this way because it is the moral uh good way to do things like i was saying a little bit before the show i almost clump fite into one thing and feti into one thing when it comes to this i'm happy with that yeah we i'm happy to do that because uh, like you said like te is very much about just like it's either this way or that way and i believe that also describes fi a lot and so like they're so similar that in my mind they they're just different sides of the same coin i guess they're not as different from each other i guess in my mind as like ne is from si or ni is from se as you know guys this podcast is supported by listeners like you if you guys would like to help please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast service that you use. And if you'd like to support us even more, uh, feel free to join our Patreon. Uh, Patreon supporters get all sorts of different perks. You guys get some of the extra shows that we plan on recording soon. Also, you guys get first priority in any questions for Q&A. You guys also get first priority when it comes to typing people based on their pictures, on their videos, on written assessments that we have planned. So please feel free to check us out on Patreon. Please, though, please leave us a review. If you think we did good, we did bad, so-so, more or less. Okay, Uh, let's keep going. It is what it is, is a very uh, Mesa phrase, right? Yeah. Because if if Meta and Mesa, Meta Man and Mesa Man are talking about a subject meta man will be like oh okay so i can break it down into 10 parts so 
Um, what's how many ways can you rearrange ten things? Um, that's a lot of different ways that I could rearrange this and look at it. I could swap that out. I could take this thing we're talking about. It's comprised of ten components and just swap out one, and it would be ninety percent similar, but it would be a little different. And uh, the mess a person just doesn't uh, do that as much. They kind of view it as its own whole thing. They they view it as having less components, more mutable or more immutable. So so this will be moving on from functions now. I'm moving on from functions. Um, and I did a, a little YouTube video about this. I'm not going to go into it too much. But um, let's talk about abstract objects for a second. So abstract objects are things that you think about um, to predict or anticipate what will happen in the real local world. Remember, so everything in real life is local, but abstracts are universal, um, or universals are even called, actually, sometimes, especially in like metaphysics. Um, so we all use a lot of abstraction. Like most of our thinking is abstraction. We're like thinking about cats in general. We're thinking about work in general. Um, we're the theory of sharpness. If I make this rock, local rock, sharper, and sharper is kind of an abstract object. You have this abstract object of sharpness in your head, and now you're applying this abstract object sharpness to this rock, and now you're you're being really useful because now you, made, you just made this axe stronger. So uh, that's kind of my really quick explanation of abstracts. So anyways, um, with abstracts, metas abstracts will often be smaller than messes abstracts. Meta will less tightly bound properties to an abstract, and messes will more tightly bound more objects to an abstract. So a meta will assume less in general. When a meta thinks of a cat, he's thinking about a smaller abstract object than a mesa is. Um, and so messes will anticipate more um, given an abstract object. Like we have a word cat, and that maps to an abstract object for each person. It's a little different for everyone, right? Because our brains are all different. But the, the mesa person on average will um, pack more properties into that abstract object of cat than the meta person will. Can you give an example of like a cat in this hypothetical meta person's mind and a cat in this hypothetical mesas person's mind? Sure. So if you say cat and then present, if you say to a meta person, okay, I'm going to show you a picture of a cat and then present them with um, either a lion, a tiger, a house cat, or like a lynx or a mountain lion or something, um, their level of surprise will be low probably depending on what you show it. Because they know they're going to see a cat. They don't know what kind. Um, they have very few assumptions. They only have a few properties. And all those things that we just showed, that we might have showed them a mountain lion or a cougar or a big cat or a small cat, all those cats fit into their abstract object of the, of the word cat, their abstract idea of the word cat. Now, if you say, okay, mess a person, I'm going to show you a cat. Um, it's more likely that they have a more specific idea of what a cat is. And they might be thinking of a house cat. Let's, say, let's just say they are. Maybe they're thinking more of a big cat, but let's just say that they're thinking of a house cat. They're more likely to think only of a house cat, though, um, because they've, they've bound more properties to the object. So like the properties in the mess of person's head is small, has four legs, and small is in there though, right? And so big cats don't apply. So you showed a picture of a lion and you're like, oh, I, and you know, it takes them, you know, extra half second to be like, oh yeah, I guess it's a cat. Sure. No problem. But the meta just thinks, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not attaching that much to cats. It's a feline, you know, uh, 
I have two or three properties that I attach to the abstract object cats. Mess is attached more abstract objects to that property cat. So they're more likely going to be slightly surprised when you show them something that's a, a random a random type of cat. So so Meta Man, like you were saying before, uh, he, you, he hears the word cat and he might just think pointy ears, retractable claws, furry, teeth, tail. Yeah. And then that's it. While a meza yeah. person, like you were just saying, might think specifically very small meows, adorable, pointy ears, long tail, might have spots, might be black and white. Uh, and so when you show the picture of the lion to each person, obviously the person who wasn't thinking of small, cute, adorable meows is going to be less surprised when they see a lion than the meza person who is very much thinking specifically about house cats exactly yeah now i wonder uh going back to the functions for a second um you know we've talked about like fe versus fi and te versus ti as being like this these functions that deal more with social interactions and maybe moral coding um but something that i think is really interesting that i don't know exactly where it fits is that FE and TI are much less likely to have linguistic issues or sp- speech impairments than uh, FITER, at least in my experience. Really? Like lisping or... Like lisping or stuttering. I, I almost always see that in FITE. And I feel like that's related to the fact that it's meta versus meza, and that language is meta by nature. However, I don't have a place i don't have a way to connect it beyond that no that's interesting yeah we could certainly uh throw around some ideas all the people i know who have lisps are sfps or like one nfp and then a couple of people i know that have really bad stutters are also fite that's very interesting physical appearance shall we would you like to start us off with that i'll start off with this one um one thing you'll notice for sure is meta people, uh, the width to height ratio of their head, uh, let's say width divided by height, um, is going to be uh, higher than meta people. So meta people have fatter heads. They have thicker heads. Um, Busygomatic width, as, uh, you know, as physiologists say, we all know what that means. Um <laughs> Would you say would you say that's all meta functions or would you say that's FE versus FI? I think that's FE versus FI. Yeah, FE has thicker skulls. So cuz like there's plenty of NFPs with uh fish heads, you know. Yeah. Uh I was a fish head as, as a kid. Yeah, NFPs with fish heads. So um so absolutely you're right. It's just it's FETI is generally have thicker heads. So like think of Russians. Russians I don't know if this has ever been done, but if you were to measure the width to height ratio of uh many people's heads i think russians would be up there um followed like closely by like mongolians and um well chinese people don't really have narrow heads yeah it's funny like think of um what's his face that that chinese billionaire xi jin no no uh um (laughs) alibaba ceo what's his name oh uh uh jack ma Ma. (laughs) i'm bringing anecdotes into this anyways I will say for sure, Russians have wide heads, and Russians have a lot of FE, don't you think? Yes. 
Yes, I F-E-T-I. agree. Most TI, but that implies FE. Yeah, there, there's a lot of FETI in the Russian population for some reason. Yeah. Um, and like Eritreans maybe have like fairly narrow narrow heads. I think Eritreans are like, there's a ton of FI in Eritreans. How else would you see them? Uh, well, you see more angular features with um, NESI than you would with NISE. So more likely to see more of a hook nose, sharper ch- chin. Witch's nose. Yeah, yeah. Um, cheekbone sharpness. I don't know how to describe that. But like you can see a difference in their cheekbone too. It's more angular. Beyond that, I can't think of much for the face. There's definitely differences in gait that I c- am not going to begin to try to describe because I can't. Well, I would I would only say that um, metas on average have better posture. Um, so if you look at the top half of the back um, on mesas, there is more of a curve on average when they're walking, the way they hold themselves. Metas will have a straighter top half of their back. Mesas will tend to have a more curved. Um, they'll lean forward a bit more neck will be slightly bit more out if anything um this is slight messes often this just seems to have long limbs um fi does at least long yeah. limbs yeah um they swing their arms behind them more often i would say uh-huh um think of like think of all the lanky sfp girls you know aren't they always like somehow when they walk their hands are like going all the way behind them like what happens <laughs> that even like physiologically comfortable like you're just like your hands are swinging behind your back just like naturally it's so weird um, <laughs> so it's weird for you but i think thing. i do it myself yeah no i think you you're probably a bit of a backhand swinger yeah yeah you disgust me <laughs> um and so think of like the the military guy who's like stiff really good posture walking upright hands side to side that's a that's a typical kind of like meta posture meta walk um and maybe even just like like a very stiff walk and then think of um a hippie girl who's got long arms and she's swinging her arms behind her back and she's also kind of leaning forward. Um, uh, not the best posture. Hip, hip jutted to the side or forward a bit. There's always yeah. that hip jut that happens with FI too. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And so I guess those are two extremes of a very meta posture versus a very messa posture. Famous examples? Uh, famous examples. Abraham Bill Lincoln? Nye, the science guy. Bill Nye, Abraham Lincoln. Guy. Yeah, both NTPs. Both kind of similar in subtypes, even. At least that's what they kind of look like to me. Yeah. Um, they don't represent that typical like wide face, but they do have um, angular features. Um, yes, very angular. The noses are angular. And the chin is jutting. George Bush, we brought him up before. SFJ. Another example of local meta. Yep. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So she's full meza. Uh, NTJ. Um, Brie Larson, SFP. I'm not good with actors and, act- and actresses. I'm not either. I only thought of her because <laughs> it's on my phone right now. <laughs> uh, some half-breeds, quote-unquote. All NFJs are half-breeds. Yeah, right. So we've got Ben Affleck. Matt Damon, Leo DiCaprio, famous STJs. Oh man, I don't know. SpaceX guy, what's his name? Oh, Elon Musk. That's right. Elon Musk. Yeah, 
STJ. He's a half, He's a half so, breed. So that's a half breed, half meta, half mesa. Should we move on to behavior? Yes, let's move on to behavior. Let's get back to the interesting stuff. So we kind of already talked about like, I guess we already talked about thought process quite a bit. So yes, we need to talk about like more concrete behavior now, right? Like pre- like actual like things you could predict, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I will say that I see as an example of meta social behavior is between SFPs and STPs. Uh, I find that STPs are far more likely to accessorize. I'm thinking like stereotypical STP teenage guys are like way more likely to accessorize their cars and make them look cool compared to an SFP guy. And I believe that could be attributed to meta versus meza and how TIFE is looking for how other people view you yeah, and how you relate to other people. And I think this can be seen a lot in how uh, different types choose to accessorize their belongings, whether it be cars or cell phones or their backpacks at school. Yeah. And I think in a, in a more general sense, um, meta is more likely to consider how it is being viewed therefore meta is more likely to take more care in its appearance um be more vain um everything relating to appearance accessorizing clothes hair um they're they their meta is definitely the more vain um of the of the two wouldn't you say yeah yeah and uh one sf when S, when SFPs or when FI users are accessorizing, I feel it's much more in a desire and in a need to communicate. To communicate their individual identity. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a communication mechanic for them than it is a look how pretty this is. Or look how cool this is, mechanic. Yeah, and I think one reason is is because messes view themselves of messes are very in, concerned with their own identity, um, because as we said, like messes, abstract objects are bigger, right? They they pack things together more. They don't view things just as some of its parts. And so if you if you think about that kind of thinking, then you would imagine that your identity is even more important because it's more special, it's more unique, it's not just a sum of its parts. Like when I'm thinking about myself, I'm I'm a full meta, Colby, NTP, full meta. Um, when I'm thinking about myself, I just don't think I have an identity. That's not how I think. I think, okay, I like pizza. I like working out. I like going outside. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> these are things about me. These aren't me. And when I think of myself, I'm just like, well, I have consciousness, sure, but I don't have an identity. But that is the opposite of how <laughs> mess. Stop laughing. This is really how I think. <laughs> but then this is the opposite of how mess of people think, right? They're like. All of these things, all of these things that I would call properties and subdivide into into themselves, um, messes think they come together and make this unique identity about them. And then that goes into them needing to express that identity. Um, this is most this is very, very this is barely related to what you were saying. But so I'm sorry, but I think it was. But no, I, I think it's actually I think it's quite related. And I think because of what you're saying, because of that strong need of identity, they also have a stronger need to communicate that identity to others in the way they appear. So I'm thinking like the extreme example of like a super hipster SFP with like green hair and a lot of nose rings, like 
nothing against nose rings or green hair, but those those just those aren't things you would expect to see an SFJ or an NTP doing. And the reason I think that is is because the hair and the rings are extensions of your own body. So like the hair, that's you. The ring, it's 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 dug into you, into your skin. It's part of you. And so a meta is not only going to be more vain, don't you think they'll also be more materialistic? They will be more greedy and be more concerned with material things, while the Mesa will be maybe greedy for identity-building things. So the meta wants a wants money. It wants to signal. The Mesa, the Mesa wants to signal as well, but it wants to signal about its own identity, not about what it has. Having something is more meta. So it's not like the Mesa has green hair. The Mesa is a green-haired person. The Mesa doesn't have rings. The Mesa is a is a is is a punk, you know? Like messes messes don't have tattoos. Messes are tatted up. Like that's it's a big difference. And so for meta people it's about showing off, it's about how this appears, it's about what I have, it's about who sees it. Messes are concerned with identity and they do like it's not like um it's not all good that messes are more concerned with their identity than, than metas, but yeah, metas are traditionally materialistic and messes are greedy when it comes to their identity and expressing themselves kind of, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I think you can, with the materialistic thing, I, I think you can see that easily in comparing say an NFP versus an NTP. And I, I think the materialistic is only a part of it. I think there's other reasons why an NTP would be different in this aspect. But what I was going to say is that NTPs are far more likely to enter into the business world than an NFP would ever be, by, at least by choice. I don't know a single NFP that isn't living a poor, impoverished life, barely making a living because they they rather spend that time doing something else. And I think that the, I mean, the only difference between us is the F-I-T-E versus the, the T-I-F-F-E. So what else could you attribute it to, even if you wanted to? I think you're right. I'm looking at my room right now, and I'm noticing that every accessory I have is connected to my identity in some way, shape, or form. Give me an example. Um, I have my own art up on display, not other people's art. I have a frame full of butterflies because I love insects. I have uh like an animal bone collection and like tur- turtle shells and stuff. Um all my teaching stuff is out and about, although that's more just disorganization. I have a crossbow up on display and a compound bow also related to the fact that I like animals and outdoors and stuff. Um I have alcohol out on open display signaling that I like alcohol. Signaling that you have a problem. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's a silent cry for help. <laughs> yeah, like none of the things in my room are here for to be aesthetically pleasing, actually. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and I suppose you might expect like a meta person to decorate more with things that look good, like because they think they look good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things that actually look nice as opposed to things that say something specific. Yes, okay. About so here's the thing. That person. A, a Mesa is more likely to describe their interior decorating style as they're more likely to, to uh, express it as this expresses myself. I'm being expressive with my 
interior decorating. And then Meta is more likely to say, you know, this this is this looks great. I love how this contrasts with the wood floors and the, yeah. the great scale couch and pillows over there. So yeah. So messes are it's a lot more about identity, I guess. At least with with FI, at least. I feel like we're starting to repeat ourselves, or I'm starting to repeat myself. But uh, that's a hallmark of Colby, you know. That's so <laughs> happens. To have no memory. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like fifty first dates, man. Speaking of which, she's SFJ, right? And he's NTP. Whatever happened to Halle Berry? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen her in a movie since um, ET. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Is she still alive? Drew oh, Drew Barrymore. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? That's a uh, that's Colby's wife, by Hal- the way, in the background. Hal Barrymore. <laughs> Hal Barrymore. Yeah, as I said, I'm very good with actors and a- and act- actoresses. Um, on that animal, uh, Alex. Um, I I I hear you like animals. <laughs> I do. I do. Okay, so animals and how they relate to meta versus meza. Um simply put, we are the most meta beings on the planet by far. Um from of the things that we can at least uh observe that is the thing that is the way in which we are most different from other animals it is what sets us apart the most from other creatures on this planet is our ability just as all humans sfps ntps everybody our amazing ability to take something and deconstruct it in our mind um very few animals display any ability to do this and the ones that do we laud and we are so impressed with their behavior because of how rare it is. So like crows being able to take something apart to figure out how, how to get the food inside uh, octopus as well. Um, more of the stereotypical examples being like apes and um, dolphins, cetaceans. Um, and in mentioning that those, you know, especially cetaceans show an incredible amount of meta-ness for the animal world. Um, What's a cetacean? At least compared to other. Cetaceans are dolphins. Dolphins and whales, basically. So anything in the porpoise family. Um, I think I told you this before, but like an example of a cetacean being incredibly meta is uh, killer whales. And how they, the way to communicate with each other, um, although it can be somewhat debatably called language, is close enough to a language that it's comparable. So, and again, I think I've told you this before. Uh, they found that different tribes, quote unquote, or different families of orcas, killer whale, killer, bleh, say that five times fast, killer whales, um, when they communicate with each other, they will use, you know, quote unquote wording. They will use sounds that differ slightly from one family to the next to the point where scientists are prone to call this um, different dialects. So their communications are similar enough 
that they could communicate with each other, but they're different enough that you could tell where an orca is from in the world based on the way it communicates the sounds that it makes. Wow. Um, other examples of animals that are highly meta and using language would be like the stereotypical examples of primates, uh, gorillas and chimpanzees learning sign language and using it to communicate with humans. But outside of these examples and the examples I laid out before of like crows and parrots and octopus taking things apart and putting it back together, we don't really see meta very much at all in the animal world. I agree. The one thing I would take issue with is you said uh, the biggest difference between us and animals is meta-ness. Or did you say that? I think you said that. But I think um, the the universalness is just as big as is that. We're we're just as much more universal yeah. as animals as we are meta. I think we're. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I take that back. I think they're both. Yeah, they're equally huge disparity between humans and everything else. I'd I'd love to know in what way scientists test uh the sea abstract thought in the animal kingdom if they have any uh whatever they use that could be useful for us actually yeah i would think it would be something like memory um remembering a concept you know so like maybe making a tool twice this crow made a tool yesterday and then it made it 10 days later maybe that could be an indicator of it being more abstract might just be a coincidence it might just be like oh this is a good way to make a tool he might not be thinking, oh, last time I did this, so... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Memory alone, it, it'd have to be something compounded with memory. Because memory yeah. alone wouldn't be enough to say it. Yeah, because where you store your where you stored your nuts, that's not universal. But um, if you start learning to store your nuts in better places, I would argue that that's universal. Because now you have a concept of like, oh, if I store my nuts in oak trees... Uh, they're less likely to get stolen or something. Um, so that I would, I, would, I would say that's universal. You know, you've learned a universal fact about storing nuts or oak trees. But yeah, just remembering where you stored your nuts itself would not. So it's not just about memory here, right? It's there's abstraction. Abstract is about like you know memory combined with the abstract. The abstract. <laughs> <laughs> You know you're on a roll when you're using a word to define itself. <laughs> so uh, should we close this out? Well, I think it's always good to remind people that we will continue doing Q&As occasionally. I don't know how often, but probably indefinitely every once in a while at least for a little bit. Ah, uh, yes. In fact, next episode is a Q&A, if I recall correctly. That's right. We'll also be interviewing certain types. Uh, if you'd like to come on the podcast and you are of a certain type, which you most certainly are, then message me or Alex through the channels that you know about. Not everyone's in the description. Not everyone will be interviewed, of course. We're, we're just going to interview, like, at the very most, one of each type. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. not even, that's, we have lots of other things to talk about before then. So, um, you know, it's, it's the, the supply demand curve on this is, you know, there's, everyone wants to be on this podcast, you know, like, <laughs> um, but not everybody can be really. So I got a call from The Rock. Yesterday, he who's he's like, hey, hey guys, I wanna, I wanna be in your podcast. It's like, maybe, yeah, we'll see. I'll, 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 uh, I'll pencil you in, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, Hallie Barrymore, she wanted to be on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's what I'm saying is, don't give up contacting us, trying to get on the podcast. 
Um, it's probably not going to happen, but you never know. Keep your chin up. I mean, okay, what I'm saying is if you want to be on our podcast and you're, you're trying to get a hold of us, you should probably also be trying to get on Joe Rogan's podcast too because that's a little it's a little more likely that Joe Rogan will have you on his podcast than uh, me and Alex. That's, that's really what I'm trying to say. Definitely. (laughs) Someone's going to take you serious out there, Colby. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Just a quick reminder. If you want to get updates on when new episodes are coming out, if you want to contribute to the conversation, I invite you to join us on our Reddit, uh, Physiotype. The link is in the show notes, and please come check us out. You have something to say? Tell us. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I will see you next week. We'll be doing our Q&A episode. All right. Bye.